The manager has called to the bullpen, and it's time for the lefty. The bullpen, where you can take a less-than-stellar starting pitching crew and boost the stat line all the way to a championship. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Howie Kendrick that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. And I'm Tyler Childs. I'm with Robbie Baseball again this week as he's trying to jam up my show notes here. (laughs) Uh, We live in the future here with our, our... our uh google docs live so he he just loves typing things right in the middle i was trying to put craig kimbrell in as the random name that you announced no he's not random enough yet yeah he just doesn't have a team well i mean eventually when he signs with the marlins then then we can put (laughs) him in that category (laughs) it happens with relievers you know i'm i'm actually surprised um, you know, no one's given him a high leverage one year deal yet. I think he has probably been offered several and has said, thank you. No, thank you. Kind of like Keiko, like you had said before, he's waiting to get his money. And I think Kimberl might be thinking the same thing, but I mean, at a certain point in time, don't you just want to play baseball and like, isn't $14 million enough? Well, I think he's like his right forearm. He's just leaving everybody hanging. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, he has such a stupid look before he throws a pitch. <laughs> you know what? When you throw absolute gas with a dirty slider, you do whatever you want. Uh whatever works. Uh he's good enough to to have that kind of control. So um, you know, diving right in this evening. Uh, you know, I I know we we uh don't talk about relievers enough in fantasy baseball because saves, saves 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 and you know in our leagues that we've been in and or commissioned ourselves we are big believers in holds and saves it opens the door and for those of you commissioners out there that want to try to change the dynamic of your league do it by adding holds and saves it's one category yeah one category that's what i was just going to say it changes the whole dynamic of the bullpen. It, it it allows you to play about four or five different strategies on the back end. You can be the high leverage relievers with the big strikeouts and the saves, or you can get the guys that are just coming in to mop up, uh, generally come in six or seven, you know, clean up the, the, the starters mess and, and get out with some, some leverage opportunities. So, you know, though th- that's really been an awesome component of, of the leagues we're in Rob. And I know, um, you know, it definitely has given us a different appreciation for relievers as a whole. hundred percent agree. I was in your, your league was the league. The first league I was in that was save holds as one category. Oh, oh sorry. Oh. Yeah. That's for writing stuff in my show notes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Paul, how are you going to shotgun? So mature. <laughs> so mature. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the, your league was the first league that had save holds as one category. I'd played in others where it was in two, and I really found it difficult because you basically, to be competitive in those categories, you need to pick one. You can't do both if you only have, pardon me, if you only have three, four reliever spots. Now, getting into some bigger leagues since joining yours in um, different formats, points, whatever, it's all, like you said, it's always saves. The points are with the saves, the glories with the with the closers. And there is an upper echelon. There are secondary tiers. There are flyers. There are all sorts of things with closers. Once you get into holds, you are now looking at the position based on performance with the caveat of who can get you this extra thing, yeah. which is a save or a hold. So you're now looking at the talent of the pitchers. You're, you're getting guys who K a lot, guys who don't walk, guys who are able to you know, have that closer instinct as well. So now all of a sudden there are different components that make it a wider pool. And I have done uh, different years, basically the same type of uh, bullpen building where one year I wanted all the closers. And I remember in uh, the 14 team league that we're in tie, I took Britain. I took somebody like after Britain's huge year, I took him like with my first round pick. I took somebody with my second. I took another guy in like the fourth or fifth. And my team sucked. And that was the year that Britain missed a ton of time with injuries. And then I realized I had put way too much stock into this one area that was only going to get me a save hold because I didn't have enough guys that were getting innings. They were one inning guys. So in one league right now, I, in a league I dominated last year, I got all high-end relievers and a bunch of middle-of-the-road possible you know, upstart starting pitching. And I did so well because the starting pitchers – were okay I didn't have injury issues but the closers did their job I got like the guys you want and then in other leagues I'm now trying a strategy of getting basically rule five type guys who should just kick around the bullpen and best case scenario is they get 70 innings and to see what kind of counting stats they can give me but I'm wanting and expecting my starters to not blow things up I'm stable <laughs> starters and the potential for the bonus with the relievers and without the save hold category it, it doesn't exist for me because what am I getting from that position? Well, and I think it gives you a different level of appreciation for the depth of a bullpen. It gives you a good idea of, you know, the guys you don't hear about in fantasy baseball that are coming in and being sixth inning heroes, right? Yeah, do you know who Justin Miller is? Yes. Whatever. A lot of people just, won't. I, I literally <laughs> just clicked on his name about 20 seconds ago. Oh, okay. um, so I, it's kind of <laughs> funny that that was the one you went with. But well, <laughs> I picked him up in a league last year because I needed somebody that was basically almost like a streamer, like somebody who came out of nowhere and, and was on a really cheap contract. And the guy that I made the trade with was like, man, I think this is really going to help you out. And I said, yeah, like, you know, no guff, dude, hand him over. And I forget who I, it was a prospect, like a, an okay kind of should get time prospect. And I thought right now, Justin Miller is providing enough quality in the, you know, walks, the K's, the ERA that I want him on my team. And now he's getting holds. Yeah. And as soon as he began to get that extra category, oh, wow, I'm four categories from him. Boom, get him on my team. And yeah. you can find 15 of those guys every month if you're watching, if you're well, active. And in, in the, the category formats that we're talking about here, I mean, it allows you to, you know, be a little smarter when it comes to choosing your starter. Good rhyme there. Um, but, you know, ultimately, it, you can build your team in, in a lot of different ways. You can draft super high-end starting pitching talent and then 
not draft another one till very, very late, as long as you go after a good crop of relievers. And so, you know, there's just different ways. And we've found that it's been, it's completely changed the dynamic since we put it in about five or six years, five years ago, maybe. Um, and, and, you know, I love it. It was the greatest thing we, we did. And it's one of those things that I, I looked at points leagues and I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how can we make the pitching a little more balanced? How can we neutralize the value of that top 10% of pitchers that are just night and day more valuable because they kick more categories uh, across the board than, you know, other guys like a Scherzer is a good example um, versus uh, I don't know, let's pick one off the top of my head. Uh, you know, a Jordan Zimmerman, right? Like those guys are in obviously different categories, um, but you could draft Jordan Zimmerman and kind of pad him with, you know, the Justin Millers and, and the Andrew Millers and those sort of guys that fill in those six, seven, eight innings, but, but deliver pretty solid numbers. Yeah. And that's why Scherzer is the best pitcher that you can get because he's giving you everything. But if you want to money ball it, you go ahead with save holds and you're, you're able to do it because you can all of a sudden collect the numbers, the counting stats, everything that you need by building up a bullpen, as you had said, Tyler, instead of a crew of closers. Yeah. And when closers blow up, when closers lose their job, you could be SOL in a couple of leagues. But when you have the holds category, they might not be the reason you don't win. They might be the reason that you drop off and finish a little further down in the standings. But you can always find somebody else if you're looking. You know, Jeremy Jeffries is like, just such a frustrating guy. He was once upon a time, you know, like waiver wire fodder. And now he's found a home in Milwaukee. He's only 31. But he's super mellow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not at all a gamer. He's somebody that you, you can get different things from. It seems almost like, you know, he's he's a K guy, but his ERA is going to be up and down for you. There are different players who can provide those things. And if you're watching, if you're really active, if you're listening to a show like Dinger's, you're interested in finding those ways to win because there's a big difference between getting in the money and taking all the money. And we're not here to get in the money, Ronnie. We're here to take it all. Yeah. I mean, the guy that won our 14 teamer this year had like the longest stretch of finishing third and getting his money back. And, you know, ironically, he finally broke through and his team is probably the worst team he's ever had. uh, And somehow won our league. It just, you know, that, that is the downside to head to head is sometimes, I don't want to talk about it. What's that? I don't want to talk about that league. Oh, yeah, he he beat you. I didn't even mean to go at you on that, but that's – yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Rob's team was significantly better, and he just choked, a little little bit choked down the stretch. Yep. But we'll we'll leave it there. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, if you weren't going to be good again this year, I'd feel bad. (laughs) But at least I should only get better because I have been holding on to Vladdy for two years, and as soon as mid-July – comes around the Jays might call him up well you know what's really funny though like how many trade offers have you gotten for Vladdy in that league several yeah so not one single offer for Tatis Jr (laughs) (laughs) right so like a guy that's like not not far behind on on the prospect train uh not even a blink so 14 team uh, league somebody and, and rookie right everybody gets to keep at least one or has to keep at least one yep I mean I, I saw friend of the show, Glenn. I saw who he did and did not keep. He sniped my Otani pitcher because we're in a Yahoo League, so there's two Otanis. He sniped him for me. 
And I noticed some of the other guys that he didn't keep. I was looking at uh, uh, some of the other available talent that'll be out there. And this is when the dynasty brain kicks in. You think, well, I could always go for these other dudes later on, but what's the point? And then you've got a guy like Tatis who's got to be getting in regular at-bats by what, mid-June? If Yeah, if he like, doesn't break camp. Yeah, yeah, and, and that would be a great sign of San Diego to say, you know what, break camp with the club, like you're, you're on the squad. But they, regardless, I, yeah, like I, I feel like in, in that league, he would be a premium guy to keep. Yeah, like, 100%. Like I, I would have considered keeping him. Um, you know, it will be interesting, though, what San Diego does uh, when Tatis is ready because right now they've got Urias slotted at shortstop and Kinsler at second yeah. base. So, like, who – you know, Kinsler is definitely on the backside of his career, but is that a guy you're really going to put on the bench? I mean, you got to figure Kinsler's probably going to get some some looks at third base and Urias will take some some heavy time at, at second. But, uh, yeah, that, that'll be an interesting dynamic when they're there. And, again, not having the DH makes it all the tighter and more difficult to give the at-bat. So, but we have gone far off topic and <laughs> – I said specifically said to you that I wanted to be done recording by now, and we have uh, not even gotten to the best part of the entire night, which is discussing the relief pitchers. Yeah, so we're we're diving right into closers in this episode. Uh, you know, our, our next episode is going to be you know your your holds guys and and sleeper relief guys that you know. Well, you we called it the bullpen. I think that's perfect. I, the, yeah, those are that's going to be our bullpen episode. This yeah, is our closers. The rest is the bullpen. Yeah, this is the king of the bullies, and then we're going to go to the bully next episode. So, uh, you know, leading off the top, you know, we got a bit of a debate one two. Uh, I think it's a pretty clear one two in my opinion. I mean, Chapman is still on the peripheral of of upside that because New York's going to be so good. Problem with New York is I think you're going to see a lot more matchup. Uh, stuff with their bullpen this year, especially since it's the last year they can put five relievers in in one inning. Um, <laughs> they, they're going to show it off before before the MLB launches the three batter minimum, which I'm a fan of. I like that rule a lot. Um, but one two, it really comes down to uh, Osuna Diaz, right? I mean, that's that's the conversation. Uh, you know, you like Osuna one. I, I like Diaz one, um, you know, but but you made a good point before we jumped on, which is, you know, as soon as on track for most saves ever, um, you know, and there's there's definitely something to to say about that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop as as a closer. I, I just think Diaz is a little more electric. For those of you that haven't watched Osuna a ton yet, uh, location, location, location. You know, that's really what he does very different than a lot of the other top tier guys, right? Like the rest of top tier guys are really wipeout guys. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Asuna ends a lot of games with a fastball. He's not ending them with somebody swinging and missing in the dirt. I, I'm not going to miss though. Like as a Jays fan, the Osuna <laughs> and Russell, Russell Martin. Martin. Oh God, <laughs> that was painful. Like nine straight fastballs on the corner fouled off. Like, yeah, sure. The guy can't touch it, but like, yeah. Yeah, let's let's mix it up just a touch. Oh no, he hit the ninth one to right field. Surprise, surprise, right? Like, oh, I'm done with that. Anyway, sorry, oh, that's that's no, a no, personal, it's, it's... personal thing that I dislike very much. So, um, you know, I, I think Osun is a real real solid guy. I just my hesitation there is is I don't he doesn't have the wipeout pitch that I think you need to be elite. 
right? I, I think unlike some of the well, other guys, though. One, we're talking about. So you're saying that he's not one; he's two. I don't think. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I stepping on my toes a little bit there, but you know, ultimately, like for me, the thing that it makes Osuna great is that he doesn't put people on base unnecessarily. Like of the group, he probably walks the least. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I can't imagine he's not near or at the top of of walks against. Well, and he also did something that worked out incredibly well for him, which was he went from a team that was on the decline last year to a team that is on the precipice of further greatness because they've already won. So Toronto had their run. He was there at the peak. He went through it. They started to cycle down. He was traded out. Yes, he was traded out for non-baseball related reasons primarily. He had a suspension last year, but he came back, took the closer job over on a team that needed it. And the Jays did not get the worst of that deal, as we'll get further down into the list discussing Ken Giles. But I think for me, Osuna is the guy long-term that has the best outlook. He's on the best team. And, and Diaz is the number two. Last year, I'm sure it had to have been, just like it was for Britain when he did it, it was a career season. Like, congrats. Doesn't mean anything is wrong with what you did. Doesn't mean he's going to fall off the face of the earth. But the Mets are not the Yankees. The Mets are the Mets. And they are older. They do not have all the support around. The starting rotation looks really good on paper. Four out of five. Three out of five, I guess. Let's just say three out of five looks really good. And then you've got, you know, Mats and uh, Vargas. But you've got real pitchers, I guess. And for me, it, it doesn't mean that they're going to be um, looking at 95 wins this year. But Houston certainly will be. Houston will be looking to at least be at 95 wins and taking their division. And to me... Diaz is not there so and I'm looking long term as soon as younger uh, it's a year and I think it's a year and like eight months or something like that so if you want to say it could be two seasons younger I just see Asuna as the best one now and forever or sorry now and in and you know if we rode off into the sunset with this and then I get a little tricky dick Kimbrel um, Blake Trine and, and then as you had said Ty Chapman for me is five Jansen ha has had so many issues that I'm not dropping him down a tier because he's still an elite pitcher, but he is not the number one, number two that he would have been a year ago today. And then Felipe Vasquez sneaks in there for me with Pittsburgh. Now I also have Ken Giles at the end of my first tier. You don't. And I had said something to you earlier about, well, you need to look at the career numbers for Asuna and Giles. So my number one and number eight and Giles is beating them. The thing that's working against Giles is the four years and the team he's currently on, which we both assume is going to only be until the July trade deadline. Well, I mean, here's the thing that I think a lot of people miss on. And when it comes to the closer position, um, you know, being on a good team isn't always a good thing, right? Like, you know, I think that's the element that really hurts a, a Chapman because, I mean, if you look at his numbers from last year, um, you know, pretty solid, you know, categories. Like, so 51 innings. 93 strikeouts okay yeah. batting average against 136 right so what really hurts chapman is that if somebody squares up a fastball it's going for a for a while or a little bit of a ride right um you know they they shoot balls through the infield just by putting a bat on it uh that hurts chapman the, you know being up six hurts his ability to convert a save and so that's where you look at a guy like Edwin Diaz uh, in Seattle last year, uh, really solid numbers as well. 73 innings, 124 strikeouts, which is wild. Um, you know, average at 160, a whip of 0.79, which is filthy. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately had a lot of opportunities on a, on a 
offensively starved Seattle team with 57 saves, right? So, um, you know, not that Seattle was awful, but, you know, they certainly weren't running away with a ton of games. So, you know, 61 opportunities to close games was a league high. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure by at least a double digit, you know, difference. Yeah. So Wade Davis and Colorado had 49 attempts and uh, Edwin Diaz was in at 61. Right. So, you know, those are the things to, you know, kind of look at in this group and uh, you know, there's just, it's just an interesting conversation because, you know, you look at guys again, like Craig Kimbrell uh, in Boston with 42. So, you know, those are the guys at the top of the food chain because they've just got electric wipeout stuff. Um, but Osuna, you know, was was way, way down there. And again, only four walks for Osuna in 38 innings, which um, is, is going to be in a league of its own. The only other guys that really kind of flirt with that, um, you know, are guys like Doolittle that missed significant time just like him. Um, but everybody else is in the double digits. Kenley Jansen's at 17. Edwin Diaz at 17 as well over those large inning counts. So, you know, being on a bad team is is the best way to find a sleeper in the bullpen, right? Because they're going to get the opportunity to to win those saves um, in in tight games. Yeah, and Alex Colomay is a perfect example of that with uh, Tampa Bay teams that were not doing well. And uh, last year he was shipped to Seattle and he was one of the guys who was able to create a lot of those save chances for Diaz because he held his own in the eighth inning to get to the ninth to give Diaz that opportunity. And for me, my number seven is Felipe Vasquez in Pittsburgh. Like in 2017, he was amazing. In 73 games, an ERA 1.67, he ended up with five wins, 21 saves. And his whip was 0.89. Then last year, he kind of walked in and was like, this is, this is the guy. He's our closer. 70 games. 89 strikeouts, uh, 37 saves, but his whip was up at 1.24, which as we know, my magical line is 1.25 before I start to worry. And his ERA went up a run and change to 2.70. Now that's not a lot, but you got a guy who's getting 70 games in and a lot of opportunities for you. And that is not a competitive Pittsburgh team. Or sorry, well, that, that Pittsburgh was fine last year, yeah. but Pittsburgh was not a 90-plus win team like well. Tampa was. And I, I own Vasquez in, in a pool, and he drove me nuts because he fell into that group of guys on my roster that didn't start playing baseball till June. And so the first couple months of the season, he was awful. And, you know, to give you some context to what we talked about at the onset here, you know, the, the league that I had him in, you know, there was a really heavy run of starting pitching in the front end of the draft. That's the, the same league that Zach Godley went in the top three. Uh, which mm-hmm. should never happen. Um, and so there was a strong run of starters. So I looked at it and said, you know what? I'm going to build my roster with the bullpen. I had, you know, Vasquez, um, Miller, and, and a plethora of other guys that the easily the strongest bullpen on paper after a draft I've ever had. And it totally imploded on me. So, you know, even and I mentioned best- that that had happened to me before too same same league so yeah. you know, even it, the it, most well thought out strategy doesn't always work right well usually mine do but anyway <laughs> <laughs> did i not you, just mention one one playoff appearance or two playoff appearances one yeah. in that league and yeah you took over a crappy team and had to I, it was an crap. expansion team yeah yeah so they, they were crap because they didn't have anybody right that yeah Basically they were the marlins then, 
And then the the six that I chose, um, only one is still a keeper on my team. And I think he just will be forever. And that's the straws. <laughs> uh, anyhow, anywho, so if we hit into the second tier here, um, do you want me just to rhyme them off? And then we well, can I think we should just touch on Blake training really quick. I mean, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we skipped him. There's just yeah. one real important point here. I mean, his, you know, ER, or average against, yeah, last year was 158. Like, you know, very dominant. Sub one ERA in 80 innings is just stupid. Like that's, that's a different planet of dumb. Um, but he is a guy that I'm selling everywhere. Get him off your roster. 80 innings by a reliever uh, in high leverage innings to top that off. Expect a huge slide from training this year. Uh, there's no way he repeats those numbers with that kind of inning count. Um, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong, but um, I'm I'm out in a big way on training. Well, I think the thing that Oakland did last year that they normally don't do is they they added, they helped. And then even this offseason, they continued the same thing. Like they brought in Fernando Rodney. Um, and I feel like they had a third guy in that bullpen that's of use. He's somewhere further down the list for the next episode. But yeah, 80 innings is not what you want to see out of trying in long-term. You want to see somewhere in the mid-60s. Um, and that's if they're dominating, because ideally you don't want your studs coming out in the eighth inning to get two outs, which is something that Asuna does do or has done um, with a weaker Toronto pen. He was doing that with more regularity, especially a playoff bound team. He was coming in and getting five out saves. Um, you don't you don't want that. And, and for trying to a year earlier with Washington, people were talking, you, you're going to want to take trying and he's a late sleeper. He could be this. He could be that. Meanwhile, in Oakland, it was Ryan Madsen and Sean Doolittle. Fast forward to the end of that, you know, 2017 season, they've switched teams and trying and took over as the closer. So it it did come to fruition, but not in the way that anybody was originally stating. And then last year, trying and just stepped in. The job was his from day one, and boom. But I, I mean, he's elite. He's somebody that in leagues that I had him, I was so happy. His cost to get now, if you don't have him, is going to be so high and hard that as for a 30 year old you might not want to pay the price for him. You got Vasquez who's putting up, uh, I don't want to say comparable, but within the same tier of numbers. Um, and he's, he's a couple years younger at 27. And then Diaz, who's going to be insanely expensive. And I'm not sure if Asuna has fully recouped the value because of the lost time last year, but I would be gunning for him in every league. He can, uh, the team he's on the, the fact that he's going to be able to stick around long-term and, like this is a guy who's who's been able to get on a record-setting pace as a closer collecting saves. So if you want to go saves holds, he's still leading in that. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I like Osuna as a value guy because I think you're right. I think people are really underappreciating how good he really is. Um, even though he may not be like a unanimous top guy, uh, he certainly is going to be flirting with that value. And I think compared to a lot of the rest of the guys we have in that top tier, he's probably the guy that you have the chance of getting the cheapest. Yeah. And I, I mean, for myself, it's peace of mind when you can plug a guy in who you don't see blowing eight saves a year, uh, like Kenley Jansen a couple of years ago was this elite, amazing dude who wouldn't lose anything. You put him in, you're good. And then all of a sudden he started to lose a few or, or you know, started to miss a few save opportunities and he's since had some health issues and doesn't mean he's not still going to be good, but he's 31. He's got five years left on his deal maybe. Um, so he's going to be around. 
and nothing against him, but I'm, I'm picking a guy who's seven years younger versus him. And that's just, you know, that's a real easy win for me. So breaking into our second tier, I'll rhyme them off and then we can just touch on a couple. Um, so you have Giles in as, as eight and then collectively Brad hand in Cleveland at nine, uh, Rasyl Iglesias in Cincinnati, who I can't believe he's only 29. He seems like he's just been kicking around in Cincinnati for such a long time. Uh, Josh Hader in Milwaukee, Corey Knable in Milwaukee, who's their actual closer. Uh, Kirby Yates in San Diego, David Robertson in Philly, Jose Leclerc in Texas, who signed an extension. Um, so he's 15. He's a pretty stable shot there. Josh Leclerc, for those of you that are not aware of the name update. <laughs> Is it Josh? No, no, no. It was Josh. He's, oh, it was, oh, okay. Yeah, he pulled the Giancarlo. <laughs> God damn it, Stanton. Um, starting that trend. Uh, well, yeah, BJ Upton went back to BJ Upton as well yeah. last year. Anyway, uh, Wade Davis at 16, Colorado. He is, I think he's the oldest guy in the tier so far, 33. Yeah. Uh, Sean Doolittle in Washington, Cody Allen in LA for the Angels now, uh, Jose Alvarado of Tampa Bay, and uh, 20, Alex Colome with the White Sox. So in this tier, Ty, who are a couple guys that you want to discuss? Well, I'm I'm with you on on Giles. We you know we had a lengthy chat before we jumped on about Giles. Um, you know, I, I think you you kind of flirted with the the trade uh, that happened between Toronto and Houston last year. Um, as somebody that's a fan of Toronto, sucks to see Osuna go because you know he is a pretty rock solid guy back there. Might not be you know the the flashy closer that some of the other guys are in the top tier but you know ken giles has a little more electric stuff than osuna but he also has a little more looney tune in the personality so he, um, hardest punch he had the hardest punch to his own face of any player in baseball last year did you in, see in that the, in the stat cast era yeah regardless <laughs> contact to your own face in the stat cast era yeah he, 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 the most efficient route to his face <laughs> You know, so no, I mean, the reality is though, he was lights out in Toronto as soon as he came over. Um, I think he's a guy that will be well received in Toronto. Uh, they like a little bit of crazy up there and, uh, you know, he, he will be well liked assuming he does his job. If he goes Looney Tunes and starts to see the, the variability of his blown saves start to creep in, then they'll turn on him. <laughs> Toronto's a cynical town that way, but, uh, you know, he's the guy in this group that I think um you know probably has the highest upside i think um but also might flirt with the lowest floor in the in the second tier we have here as well uh very similar to like a racial iglesias as well both have electric stuff but also both can go off the rails in a big way yeah and up and down seasons for iglesias too is one of the reasons why he's not an upper echelon guy as we've talked about in nearly every episode i think starting pitching was the first time we were not talking about upper tier guys at a position for Cincinnati, but Cincinnati's going to be a good baseball team this year. They could be mid eighties. They could, they could be higher. They could be competing or things could take a turn for them. And then they might start to sell pieces off. But Iglesias is a talent and you want talented guys because they're going to get you those counting stats. They're also going to help you in your percentages. Again, Iglesias could have some of those blowups, but a guy who was like crazy, silly elite last year, um, up until midway through the all-star game when things went awry, thanks to some uh, social media guy, you know, snapping pictures of everything any MLB players ever posted on Twitter, Josh Hader, like 
the, the guy was so dominant right away. Everybody was blown away and loving the fact that he was like Captain K and doing all these great things. But I think a lot of people forgot that the guy who was finishing those games off was coming in after him in Corey Knabel, who's 27, uh, Hater's 24. Like, it's, it's Knabel's job. It's kind of like Shelby Miller and Cody Allen in Cleveland. They were both great at what they were doing. And Allen didn't end up with like a 50 save season as a result of Andrew Miller. Sorry. Who did I say? Shelby Miller, which is not not the guy you meant. (laughs) Shelby is a very poor slip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 But he does pitch. He does. So, you know, yeah. Uh, But anywho, yeah. So that kind of dynamic duo that they've got there and in save holds, which is what we're talking about. They're, they're back and back, but haters hater, in my opinion, is going to get more K's and can have a lower whip. Well, I, I like Hater to be the closer by the end of the season. I mean, Knable is is definitely a, a solid guy. I just think Hater's too good. I, I think at the end of the day, he's been he's going to be dominant enough. the The tricky part with Hater uh, is they like to stretch him out a little bit, right. um, and I don't know if that in the back of their mind they're hoping maybe next season or whatever to stretch him out. I I don't I don't know, but uh, if that's not the plan. Um, I, I like him to slowly ease into that closer role because, um, you know, I, I just think there's enough righties in the last inning. I think having the lefty to finish off the meat of the order, I think is is going to be a better play for them. Um, and we'll see. We'll see what they do. But I think we both agree haters, the better pitcher. Uh, Knable certainly doesn't deserve to just lose the job, but uh, I do think at some point if he stumbles, uh, it's going to be tough to hold off hater. Yeah, and, and this is one of those scenarios where it could be a matchup thing too. Like we don't know in three years if we're going to see a lot of bullpens that basically have uh, an eighth and a ninth inning pitcher who alternate. One throws right-handed, one throws left based on what's coming down uh, and, and what's left on the bench too. Because especially once they have to face three batters, it's going to be important which side of the ball they think the hitters are going to be standing on when you know they're up it, or at least it, it should be it should be something that people are thinking about in those management positions so um, for, for me at uh, Kirby Yates is he's a guy he's a closer the San Diego I don't think this is their year to be an upstart team I think they're going to be you know getting better but I don't see Yates as having breakout crazy great stuff Robertson falls into the same type of statistical category although he should be on a better team Jose Leclerc's just a good pitcher yeah and he's on a really crappy team but he's 25 well, he's gonna, I, sorry go ahead I was just, he's going to be in texas for a while so he's going to get to see the turnaround texas has a pretty solid farm and they are also a team that spends money in free agency when it suits um they didn't do it with josh hamilton for some reason and i mean that paid off but uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's still in their system or not right now. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I should look that up. That would be of interest to only me. Um, that sounds like a, a internet pipeline that you might not ever come out of. <laughs> just yeah, Josh Hamilton's story after the story. It just uh, That's a dangerous place. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah, and, and then a guy that a lot of people had said when he moved to Colorado from the Cubs and Wade Davis, that this was going to be terrible. But I mean, like we've talked about before, Colorado, I think, is a team that we both believe could have the best record in the NL, possibly in baseball next year. And at the end of the, those games, they're not all going to be blowouts. You know, he's going to have his chances, and he did a really good job for the bulk of last year. A lot of closers seem to have a period of time, and I'm sure it's where they, they're injured. They just aren't the dominant pitcher that they are the rest of the year. So maybe he had a little thing here or there. 
Well, I, I mean, the thing, the thing for me with Wade Davis that's really surprising is like a lot of earned runs, uh, but only eight home runs in 65 innings, right? Like, you know, you talk about the Colorado factor and, you know, not a ton of, of uh, bombs given up versus, you know, a guy like Kenley who gave up 13, right? So uh, it really an interesting one. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, his whips over one uh, just fractionally. So, you know, more or less, I think this is just the, the altitude, you know, taking away from the impact of his slider, which is really his, his bread and butter. Right. So, and uh, that's what somebody, sorry, Ty, that's what somebody had said when I was trying to make a deal last year, when he came over was they said, well, he's not as valuable now because um, fastball is a fastball in Colorado, but anything that moves or breaks doesn't get the same uh, turn, which I'm sure is spin rate related. I'm sure somebody can tell us something about that. But I thought, well, even though he's a wipeout guy, like people are still going to miss it. Like, you know, like it doesn't mean he sucks. Like look at all the other guys that go in and do all these, these great things in Colorado, the like Ottavino and uh, is it Jake, Jake McGee that had one good year and then sucked or he's, he's on like a four year contract. I and thought then, he bounced back a little last season. I think he had a tough first go. And then last uh, year was better. Yeah, okay. I can't remember. I'd have to look that one up, but uh, you know, I think their bullpen's a little sneaky good like brian shaw's there too right well they uh, tried to build it up for last year and it just totally. seemed like it was davis and bust but or well ought to be no too but um yeah yeah i'm with you like they tried to do the super pen and new yeah. york also did the super pen or yankees did the super pen well, and they're gonna have that other kid that's flirting with the rotation samaro samaro or whatever the heck his name is senzatella that one yeah, yeah. so um, and, and they could end up with jeff hoffman like if yeah. colorado decides hoffman is not in the top eight of their starting pitcher depth chart, it's it's not helping them to have him at AAA, not competing in some way to help the MLB team. He might be able to be a two pitch guy out of the bullpen for them. In the He's step. also a guy that I think still has enough value that they might be able to get something for him to beef up the bullpen, right? Like he might be a guy that you know you go after. I don't know who's a good example on this list. Like you go after. Well, if you went with Strickland in uh, in Seattle, if you went with uh, in the White Sox, might be a good example, yeah. right, of a guy that that you know might be a fair trade value for Hoffman, and you know the White Sox probably would love to have a guy that's a fringe MLBer uh, to fill the gap be- between now and when uh, Kopech and the other guys are ready to go, right? So, um, you know, that's an interesting proposition. You know, on that note, I, I like Car- Kirby Yates to be trade bait as well. Right, I see him as a guy that's. For, there's a track record of trades between these two teams. There's a need. Kirby Yates is destined for Boston. I'll say that now. Mm. Uh, he will be a Red Sox this season. Uh, put that in our notes. Uh, that is coming. And I'm hope. I, I wish. I wish there was a spot um, for Bobby Delbeck in in uh, San Diego. <laughs> Because uh, then there's a clean path for Chavi, who you guys know you, I love. Okay, so we'll go off topic, but I'll be super quick. Um, did you know that um, Chavis has been playing all over the diamond? He yeah. was playing first base, second base, third. They they look to want to super utility him. They did send him back down to AAA camp, but at the same time, I think this is playing to what you're talking about with getting him playing time. I think this is getting him up to Boston quicker because yeah. they're trying to say, just show us your 
capable of playing a couple positions, then we can bring you up. Then Eduardo Nunez is of no use anymore. And when Pedroia gets hurt. And same you, with Brock Holt, right? Like same. Yeah, same, yeah, yeah. They've got too many of those dudes. You can definitely replace those two guys. I think Nunez has some value because he's a little faster. Um, you know, he's a stolen base threat, whereas Holt's never really been a stolen base guy. So I, I think you'll see Holt go before you'll see Nunez go. But I, I think you're bang on, though. I think that's exactly the reason they're trying to do it. Um, and and I, I think the reality is, too, uh, I'm curious to see why he went down, even though he's he's performing better than Adele Beck, like who who's kind of struggled um, over the last couple of weeks in the spring. Um, you know, it's interesting to see them send him. It could be just an A-B game. Uh, it's that simple. They want to get him some some cuts. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think you're bang on there. I think ultimately Chavi's the third baseman there. And I think Dalbeck is, is I've said it before. I don't love Dalbeck. So, uh, but yeah, we're getting, we're getting off topic. I, I think, yeah. you know, Dalbeck could be up because they're trying to showcase him still. Cause they see, you know, something they don't like. So and or, they can make the trade for Kirby Yates. Correct. Yeah. Back on topic. Yeah. So, <laughs> so exactly. Right. And uh, you know, Robertson in Philly, I, I like to be sneaky good this year. Um, you know, they're going to have save opportunities. Um, you know, I, I think he kind of fits into, I don't know, maybe a comparable with, with Cody Allen in, in Los Angeles, yep. right? Just a guy that's a little bit of a roller coaster, but just going to get the chances to get it done. You want to hear something funny, Ty? I, I think like Cody funny. Allen is probably a better Roto player than he is head to head because when he is not doing well, just like Ken Giles last year, he could be droppable in like a 14-team league. <laughs> and Giles, as we discussed before, was I, I drafted him as a Houston Astro. I dropped him. He got traded to the Jays. Somebody else picked him up in our league. Uh, I don't know what it was that he didn't do, whether he gave up a run or whatever, but he didn't blow a save. But he ended up getting cut. I feel like he spent the, which we could check, spent the, the rest of the season unemployed in our 14-team league. And sometimes you find that. And Cody Allen is a guy who didn't have great stretches last year. But prior to last year, was such a stable guy that like I'm not out on him at all in that uh, 30 team or 28 team auction league I was talking about I got Cody Allen because I thought you know what he's going to go to LA and in my mind LA is an 80 plus win team and and I mean like you know Heaney went down Otani's not pitching well this year but Dynasty I'm just looking at 2020 thinking you know Allen will be 31 he should still be throwing heat it should be good and somebody who is I think he this is the youngest guy on our list is Jose Alvarado in, in Tampa Bay. He's kind of like an Asuna type coming up with a, an up-and-coming team. Uh, last year, he only got eight saves, but his ERA is 239. His whip in 17 when he broke in and 18 is both 1.11. Uh, but in 70 games, 80 Ks last year. And that's the big thing that's on everybody's radar. Is like This is a guy who should get all the saves and is getting Ks, low whip, decent ERA. He's hitting you in five, six categories. I'm definitely calling him avocado all year. There's right, no questions fine. about it. Well, um, I'm sure if you try to pronounce it correctly, that's what it would come out as anyway. He, he's got <laughs> the the green kind of feel in, in Tampa. So, I mean, I'm into it. So, is he ripe? Is he ripe for the picking? He is absolutely ripe. I love it. Yeah, yeah he is. Hopefully, he's not that soft when it comes to closing games. But, you know, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe he's a little bit of a nut. Let's just say that. Um, well, well we, done. We murdered that joke. Like, do you? But you covered it all. I mean, <laughs> you took a bunch of things and you made yourself a lovely guacamole out of that. 
<laughs> so right. yeah, we, we Thanks, have everybody. Really, we'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, we have no jokes left to ease on that one. <laughs> um, you know, the guy that I think gets forgotten in this tier is is Sean Doolittle in Washington. I mean, you know, the only thing that stops him from being a lead is it seems like he never puts together a full season. And uh, you know, forty five innings last year, twenty five saves. Um, you know, good numbers, one point six ERA. Uh, you know, one thirty five you know, average against, which lights out. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and, and a great social media follow, right? So he speaks honestly, you got to love that. And it, it's just the holding the ball so close to his face thing. I don't, you know, that's, he's I, another like Kimberly. As long as he's talking to it, I'm good. Yeah. All right. Ball whisper, man. It's Anything re- that re- makes re- it more deceitful. I like like Johnny Cueto. I, I don't like him as a pitcher, but I love him as a guy on the mound because he <laughs> just don't know what he's going to do to throw off your timing. Well, just like, I'm just picturing him like kind of like happy Gilmore. Like, Go to your home ball. Yeah. <laughs> Find the catcher's mitt, please. No yeah. bounces. No bounces. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I just think he's a guy like, and, and I think, kind of fits right in with Washington this year as a, as a team that just I think people are kind of sleeping on a little bit. Uh, they're, they're pretty deep. Like if, if Soto somehow produces, you know, I'm not a over believer in Soto, but um, you know, I think if, if Soto produces Robles looks like he's ready to go in spring this year, um, you know, they added Dozier and the rest of the guys, if they can stay healthy, like Washington could be a real force. Um, yeah. They, they it, lost Harper, but they might not actually take a step back. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they are. I mean, on paper, I mean, it's still beginning of the season, no injuries, nothing. Um, there, there's lots of question marks still. But, yeah, they, they might be maybe the best team that nobody's talking about. And so I think Doolittle kind of fits into that cut of cloth uh, from a guy that that is definitely a top-tier guy if he can play a full season. Well, and as well, like Kimbrell is still out there. Kimbrell needs a team, and when you're competitive – you might want to just go ahead and or sorry when you're a competitor as a free agent at a certain point in time you might just want to go ahead and be associated with a competitive team it could be a pretty good you know slot in and it could help do little as far as you know maybe helping to limit him with those innings he, he might become the holds guy instead of the saves guy but that's how he was able to regenerate a lot of his value after a couple of injury plague seasons in Oakland was him, him and Ryan Madsen and then they took like Oakland traded both to Washington to do the same thing that they were doing in Oakland together. They didn't take one and one. They, they went in the same deal. Um, I could see it happening uh, again, where maybe he's a better support role than he is a lead guy. He's still a hell of a pitcher, but like you said, health. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that, and that's it. Like if you, you talk about adding Kimbrell and Washington though, I mean, there's, there's a team that has had obvious flaws in their bullpen for seems to be forever. And literally not made any adjustments. I mean, they tried a little bit last year and that was a disaster. Yeah, they added like everybody that you could. It's kind of like Philly in hockey; they never have a goaltender, and Washington in exactly. baseball never has the clo- the closer. They have closers. But, and for those um, of you out there that don't know what hockey is, it's it's on ice. Uh, you slide the puck around. You put shape. <laughs> you <laughs> not like curling where you're throwing rocks. This is a hunk of rubber. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, so, uh, you know, that kind of covers out the second tier. Uh, you know, jumping down into the third tier, this is really uh, lottery territory, right? You will so, notice a difference in the type of pitcher you see from this point on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's one guy that, that we don't have in this tier that I think belongs there, um, and that's – or, sorry, that was an in tier two that it should be in there, and that's Jordan Hicks. 
Um, there's a guy that that might have the filthiest stuff in baseball uh, on the back end. Obviously, the velocity's there. Uh, the, uh, the you know the the secondary pitches are coming around. So that's one guy that I'd say definitely deserves considerations. He has a clear path to the closer job in in St. Louis this year. So um, you know expect him to really really spike in value. Um, and so that's one guy that that you know I wanted to jump up the board before we got into tier three. Um, but tier three, you know, in that same breath, uh, one of the guys that is so hard to predict right now is is Carlos Martinez. Uh, you know, definitely has the stuff, but has a series of years here where injuries are getting in the way. And, you know, at some point St. Louis has to just give up on him as a starter. And and I think quite frankly, Carlos Martinez has given up on himself as a starter. So well, he said something after the injury about how he is a starting pitcher, but he like he is a perfect example. Or sorry, Brandon Morrow is a perfect example of what happens when you can't stay healthy but still are elite at yeah. throwing the baseball as you become a reliever. And it didn't take Morrow long to go from a guy into a closer. And that was that big, like what was the 2017 world series run where yep. he pitched in every game for the Dodgers and he showed, Hey, I can do it. I'm healthy. And, and we all like, like, you know, he's a former J look, a lot of good baseball players are former J's. <laughs> we, love him. Like, we don't know him personally. He stopped returning my calls a long time ago. Brandon Morrow is not my friend anymore. Morrow, son of a bitch called me back, but He's a guy who, for the sake of health, I think, and opportunity, he ended up in San Diego as a reliever to turn that, that yeah. tide for him. I think that was the last year he was trying to be a starter, and then that was it for him. Well, And, and I think the other thing, too, as, as MLB goes to that three-batter rule, too, I think you'll see teams like at this 27 age with Carlos Martinez jump the gun on making that move to the reliever rather than, uh, you know, kind of live and die by the – you know, one in, you know, or the, the starting dream, I guess. Um, so, you know, I think that becomes a little more valuable when the sixth and seventh and eighth inning are going to be impacted by the guys that have to face three batters. So absolutely. Yeah. You're not like, going to be able to, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say a guy like Carlos Martinez has more value. Well, and, Absolutely, because you're not going to be able to throw in some random dude, the mop-up guy, in the fifth inning if it's a six to two, because depending on which league you're in, you might like you know in the AL you're going to have nine hitters, and that's that's like a grand slam, you know, the swing of a bat away from tying that game up, but you don't want to put somebody in who is going to potentially take a six-two game and make it eight or nine-two. You're going to want to put somebody in who's going to be able to hold the fort for a few batters. And maybe, like, we're not saying that Carlos Martinez is a long reliever. We're saying that Martinez has the stuff. He's a yeah. great pitcher, but he doesn't have the ability to stay healthy, which is a thing that yeah, happens it, it, with players. And he's the only guy in the St. Louis bullpen that I think, you know, with Miller getting older, I think he's the only guy that has a chance to surplant Jordan Hicks as a closer at any point. Um, well, and it, Hicks is just so damn young, right? Like it, to me, Hicks isn't he, Hicks just isn't there yet. And from a dynasty tam, standpoint, I don't like. I have him at thirty three. I didn't want to put him higher because I didn't know that, or I, I don't know that that's going to be his role. Because they've also talked in spring training about stretching him out. No, no, no. He's he's a dynamite. They they did the same thing with Osuna in Toronto. 
I mean, we we're talked talking about, about it. Yeah, yeah. After his like rookie year or something like that. No, he's going to be too valuable on the backside. I mean, he's, he's a closer, um, you know, we, you know, we're, we're, we're getting into the territory too. in this, this part of, of the closers where you're starting to flirt with the guys that have potential to be closers based on turnover because of all the positions in baseball, uh, the closer role has the highest turnover by a significant margin year to year. So now we're talking about guys that that really fall into that category. Um, and then, you know, a bunch of these other guys are really destined for our bullpen conversation. So of the guys remaining that we haven't touched on, who who are the guys that you see with an any, you know, an outside shot of of being a closer at any point this season? If it's closer specific, um Within the Mets, I mean, if, if Diaz has an injury, Familia is a perfect fit. He went back to the Mets. He had a really good year uh, in Oakland. And then and did he start Did he start with the Mets and go to Oakland? No, I feel like he signed there, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure either. No, I think he might have tra- trade. No, it was a trade. You're right. Yeah, and then he went back. So, But regardless, like he, his ERA was a little bit higher with Oakland in 30 games. But still, so overall, he had 70 games last year, 83 Ks eight wins, 18 saves, his whip 121. Like the guy is good. He, he is, he is an easy replacement and Zach Britton. He's another health guy in New York. He's at 25, but at 24. They're both, both those guys are 31. Like you think Britton's older, but he's not like, he just guys. has no chance of closing in New York. That's just, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just so stacked. And, and I think, I think if Chapman went down, they would do a legit closer by committee and why wouldn't you, you know, but like Britain is a guy who has set records. So, um, but for me, if I'm picking one guy, I'm, I'm going to say that I, I really like AJ Minter in Atlanta. It's an up and coming team. It's a 90 plus win team. If everything goes well, he's young. Uh, Aronis Viscaino is, you know, to me, doesn't have the stuff of Minter or the same kind of stuff as Minter. And that's the guy in dynasty format that I've got. I've got him at 21. So yeah, I like Minter there too. I mean, that's uh, he's young enough too that he can grow into it. I think Archie Bradley's in the same conversation as Minter. I think he's another guy. Um, you know, I, I think there, Archie's going to be competing with with one of my guys that I have as um, you know a sleeper in the in the closer role, which is Greg Holland. I think there's still a little bit left in the tank there. And I think he's going to get a chance to kind of show off a little bit in Arizona with really nobody, nobody of significance to stop him. Archie's the guy probably at the end of the day, but uh, you know, I think, you know, Holland has that shot uh, on the outside. The other guy that's completely off the board um, that had a surprisingly good season last year. And, you know, you know, Melanson is, is a guy in San Francisco that, I'm not in love with in terms of closer role. I love him as a setup man. Uh, I like him a lot there. And, you know, this is a guy that, you know, is very close to our hearts in, in Toronto area, which is, is Sam Dyson. And uh, really, I like him a lot in San Francisco. I like him if he was situated somewhere else. So, um, you know, he's going to have a lot of games in big ballparks and, you know, his sinker ball stuff with good defense, which they almost always play in San Francisco um, is definitely an underrated asset. Um, and so there's, there's a guy I'm at least paying attention to. It doesn't mean I'm going to race to get him anywhere, but, but I like him as a, as a bit of a value add with some save opportunity this season. Well, I I'll save my biggest potential, uh, like free end of your 70 man 
30 team draft guy you can pick up for our second episode here on the relievers. But um, yeah, I think, I think Sam Dyson, I mean, Mark Melanson will be the closer when the season starts. He only got 41 games last year and three saves. Like he did not start well, but he finished. Okay. He also was like, the last two years have just been injury riddled for the man. Basically, yeah. signed the con- he left Pittsburgh, signed the contract with San Francisco, just been straight garbage. And Sam Dyson, who was like not out of baseball, but you know, nearly out of baseball options, at least at the MLB level, ended up in San Francisco, did his thing. Good for him. And, you know, yeah, sure, I hate him. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, if he's going to help my fantasy team, I could see adding him at some point. I just can't see Melanson holding down the job for a batting average with 302 and a 1.6 whip. Like that just. Yeah. yeah. The, the whip is what like, you know, and one yeah. in four last year with 31 Ks is again, he's not, you, you're not helping in counting stats and you're killing us in, in yeah. percentage. I, I just like him as a guy you can get super, super late and, and maybe have mid tier value. Um, so, so that's one of the guys I'm, I'm looking for this year. Um, other than that, you know, there's, there's some guys that, um, you know, could stumble into it depending on what happens out in Arizona. There's like three guys in that bullpen. Uh, you know, uh, Hirino is another guy that that could get a shot at the closing role out there. Um, but other than that, those that's kind of the uh, the group that I see as as potential bubble guys. Yeah, I, like for the next episode when we get into the real meat of it, like where you're gonna only so many teams can take so many closers. So if you're in a big league, you need to get a lot of the mean potato guys, a lot of the guys who come up and out of nowhere, like the guys today who are ranked um, as draft choices in the 800s or in the 1200s and will eventually come up like Lou Trevino. Was it Lou? Yep. Trevino? Yeah, Lou Trevino came out of nowhere last year. Ottavino is a guy who I think he's going to end up getting overvalued because he had here, but he's going to get buried. So he's at best a hold guy for you which is, you know, tough. Then you got, you know, Boxberger, who's a legit closer, but is going to be on potentially a 60-75 win team at best. Kelvin Herrera. There are a lot of guys that we get to talk about in the next episode that will make it up, and that's where we're going to talk more about how they help you as part of the bullpen rather than the closer guys, the guys that are going to lead for you. So if you ended off this episode and you said, well, I didn't hear anybody that I have on my team, well, you done screwed up, son. <laughs> and we're going to help you to fix that next episode by finding some guys that are going to make that big ball of crap you've got right now turn into a winning lineup. That's right. And uh, we will see you next time on another episode of Dingers. Do, 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 do. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.